When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. The Colorado Avalanche have won the Stanley Cup. Raymond Moore, a dream, has come true. Feature the head, McKinnon racing, he shoots, and scores! Nathan McKinnon! President Jim Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I am your host, Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Boulay. As always, Christian. I have one thing to say before we talk about anything else. Uh, the Avalanche are going to win the Stanley Cup. I'm convinced. I'm sold. I've seen everything I need to see. We're winning. That's a bold take, man. And okay. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I want to agree with you, but it's, it's a tough thing to predict now. But I, I love your take there. I love the confidence. I mean, I, I don't know what else I need to see other than playing Vegas two more times in February. I mean... The Avalanche win four to three in overtime against the Boston Bruins. They lose Nathan McKinnon in the first three minutes of the game. The whole emotional swing of that game, giving up two stupid goals, being down two goals to a legitimately good team in the Boston Bruins with under 10 minutes to go. And they come back and win still. I I don't know what else to say about this team. I don't know how we lose they they definitely have not shown anything that would indicate they're going to lose anytime soon, which is kind of crazy to think about. Like the fact that they haven't lost a home game since November 3rd is just mind boggling. Like I haven't seen them lose live in person in more than two months. That's fucking crazy to think about. And they haven't lost in regulation in all of 2022 and January is almost over. And it's not like, these games have been easy. Like they, they keep finding ways to win in different facets of their game. It can be offense one night. It can be the defense one night. It can be the goaltending one night. I agree with you. It's it, I don't know if a team can beat this team four times in a series. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You say that we haven't lost in regulation. The one time we have lost, and that was the overtime loss to Nashville, was the worst call we've ever seen a a, a phantom too many men on the ice call and like you said none of these games have been easy it's not like last year where we were just winning games six to nothing and never had to face any adversity we've been down in almost all of these games at one point or another we were just going through it earlier before we started recording every game up to the, the second Arizona game, we were trailing at one point. That was seven in a row. 
And then you had the Minnesota game where you, you blew a lead early and then you, you get a goal late and you blow the lead again. You still find a way to win that game. You have the two Ducks games or the, the Ducks and Kings game where the team is exhausted and playing on just just playing on fumes at that point and coming out of that back-to-back road trip in California with four points. And the, the trap game against the Canadians where we just stopped showing up at a certain point turn it on and win that game too. And the Blackhawks game, which we'll talk about later, a two, nothing win, another shutout for your goaltending. And this one, this game felt different from the get go, especially after the, the McKinnon ordeal, which we will touch on. This felt like another playoff game. Oh, it it really did. Like it it truly felt like a playoff game. Um, I, I did not, I knew the Bruins were playing better, but that's the Bruins team that, we've come to see over the past couple of years, you know what I mean? Like, like that, that they're back to being the Bruins. Like at the beginning of the year, they were not the Bruins, but they're back. Um, and this abs team went toe to toe with them. They, yeah. And, they and made some stupid mistakes, got punished for the things that we said they were going to get punished for against Boston and won anyway. Yeah. Like, like I, I don't know. I don't know what to say about this team. This team is fucking amazing. They really are, man. And like, I, I agree with you. I don't know if I have the confidence to say if they're going to win the Stanley Cup. I, I know that they're going to be right there. I don't know if there's a team that can beat this team four times in a series. I just don't. Yeah. I mean, my, my only hang, the only mountain the Avalanche have yet to climb this season is Vegas and Dallas, I guess. But we're going to see them both in the span of four days in about a month from now in February. So we'll get our answers then. Like Vegas is the only thing I can see that can truly stop this team. Cause you mentioned that the Bruins are, are back right now. The Bruins have been one of the best teams in January, much like the avalanche, you know, where they are in the standings, which I think is like 13th in the league does not properly reflect how good the Bruins have been lately. They're seven, two and one in their last 10, including this game. And you, you still did it to them too. You yeah. did what you did against the Coyotes and every other team you've played this month with a comeback and did it to one of the best teams in the NHL because you just, in the third period, decided to be like, okay, I guess it's time to try now. Yeah, like it, I, I've never seen a team that can flip the switch like the Avalanche this year. Like no team can do that. Like they, they can literally just be like, okay, we're going to go win this game. And then they go out there and they fucking win the game. Like teams can say they're going to do that, but this is this team actually does it. Like it's crazy, dude. I I don't know. We'll talk about it when we get more in the game, but compared to like the Toronto game where we had both texted each other, we both had a feeling they were going to come back and win that game. That was just the flow of the game. This Bruins game felt like it was okay. Like it, it was bound to happen, and it happened. But here we are talking about it on Thursday night. And they came back and fucking won. Like I, I had already chalked that one up as a loss. Yeah, I I came into the game with not low expectations, but lower expectations. I mean, Boston, I'd say, is the best team we've played since Minnesota. It's a it's a real game against a real team. It's not Arizona. It's not Chicago. And the Bruins are a a true Stanley Cup contender, I would say, especially recently and over the last month and a half in the games against Florida. Toronto, Minnesota, this team has stepped up and answered the bell 
in a big way. Yeah, they have. And even against teams that we don't think are cup contenders like the Ducks and the Kings, those are playoff teams that you could see later on in the later on the Western Conference uh, playoffs. And you've beaten them, too. And you can argue in those two Ducks and Kings games, so that was the worst that the Avs have played. I know you touched on it. They looked dead tired in both those games. And they won both those games. Yeah. So still well. found a way to win because that's just how good this team is. Even yeah. when they are dead tired, they still find ways to win. And that's what was never a thing last year. I know. I think last year at the halfway point, I said the exact same thing. Like, Oh, we're going to win. How do you beat this team? The thing was, is that we really didn't struggle last year. It was too easy. It was the same thing in the playoffs too, against St. Louis. It was too easy. When we played the Ducks and the Coyotes eight times, we would crush them six out of eight times. It was too easy. We had one comeback win of more than two goals all of last year. It was like the end of the season against the Sharks. That's how little there was. We can remember the one. We can remember the one. And I I can't even count off the top of my head because I'm dumb how many we've had just this month alone. Yeah, it's practically every game, it seems like. So it has been a totally different team mentality. Um, they never say die and I, you can't leave a, like, even if the abs were getting blown out, you, you can't leave. Cause they're, they're more than likely going to come back. Like it's crazy. Like no team should be able to do this. And they do it every fucking game this month. Like this isn't a one-time fluke thing. They've been doing this all year now. Yeah. This has been like in, in November, they were, they were blowing teams out. You could see a lot of last year's team. And that team, you know, winning seven to five and not playing great, letting up a ton of goals, but scoring a ton. What we're seeing right now is a far more completed team, I would say. Yeah, it's a far more complete team. And you're still missing big pieces, I would say, out of both those teams. Um, Like not having Bo Byram is truly, truly sad um, because he'd be great on this decor right now. Um, not having uh, like a Brandon Sod type player, but this team just continues to find ways to win with different players. I mean, we could talk about the Boston game, the biggest story of that game, and you're, you're going to punch me in the face about this. My guy, Curtis McDermott, scored his first goal as a Colorado athlete. Oh, why, why would I punch you about that? I was I was over the moon. Yeah, like that was, I truly can't put into words how much of my shit I lost when that happened. Like I was sitting there and I saw the play developing. Cause that was going on the attack, like the opposite attack side. And I was like, Holy shit. McDermott's jumping up. This is either going to be heroic or truly, truly horrific. And it was fucking heroic, man. It was a great shot, a great pass by Berkey and the abs go up one, nothing. I, I don't think McDermott's going to score again this year. So I'm glad I was there for the one, but that was one of the, like, I had almost come to the conclusion if you're going to lose that game, hey, at least, at least fucking uh, Curtis McDermott scored. My <laughs> thing about that was when McDermott eventually was going to score, I thought it was going to be like a shot from the point that like hits a defenseman and bounces in. This was a fucking snipe. It was a perfect he picked, shot, dude. He picked up that puck and he fucking let it rip. Holy yeah. shit. It was an absolutely perfect shot, and I lost it, dude. 
You would have acted like the Avs just won the fucking Stanley Cup with how my reaction was. I think I got more excited for that than when the Avs won the game. Like, I mean, I'm going to be honest, because it was like, like... Understandable. Like, if you've been listening to the show the whole year, you, you know I've done the full 180 on Curtis McDermott. I fucking hated the guy, and now he's he's not terrible. Like, he's not, like, he's been he's been okay. He has like, a role now. We yeah. know what, We know what he is. Whereas there's yeah. no there's no delusions about what Curtis McDermott is. We all know Bednar knows it. McDermott knows it. No one here's dumb. Yeah, we're not dumb. We we know we know what it is. So I don't know, man. Like that was so fucking cool. I'm so happy for Curtis McDermott. And did you see that picture of Samuel Gerard's face? Like, did you yeah. see what the app was on Instagram? Even Sammy G's face was like, "What the fuck? Like this is crazy, bro." <laughs> like, oh, it was so cool, man. And I thought Val tipped it. I honestly thought Val tipped it in. I oh, thought he I, did. I thought he did too. When they first showed the replay, I you couldn't really see Val's stick. So I thought, oh no, we're gonna have we're gonna have this moment taken away from us, aren't we? No, it it went clean through. It was just an absolute snipe from noted sniper Curtis McDermott. If if he's shooting like that, it's not gonna be his last goal. No, it's not. And he. <laughs> So great, dude. Because right before he scored, he takes that awful cross-checking penalty. Oh, and you're like, all right, Curtis, that was a good minute and a half you played in the first oh, period. It was on, it was on Marshan, though, so was it that bad? Yeah, it wasn't bad, but it was just a bad penalty to take. And yeah, then he we'll, goes we'll and talk, scores, man. He goes we'll, and fucking scores. Like We'll, we'll talk about cross-checks later, Jean-Pierre, Yeah, but but holy shit dude i was so pumped for curtis mcdermott man that was so fucking cool i'm st- i'm still on the train that curtis mcdermott's scoring a goal in the playoffs oh jesus dude i will lose it it's gonna happen lose it like if, if the avalanche are what i think they are and what they're going to be in the playoffs they're gonna get at least one goal from mcdermott it's gonna happen it's, oh, it's gonna be so it's, fucking it's just gonna it's gonna be one of those stories like the he's, he, let's face it, he's a plug the plug you traded for the guy everyone loves that the fans like they sarcastically love. He's going to score a huge goal and it's going to be one of the best moments of the entire run. You think it's going to be like a Dave Boland type moment? A Dave Boland, like, um, like, like a Brooks Orpic for Washington when they went to the final against yeah. Vegas, like that kind of thing. Sign me up for it, man. Cause I loved every second of it and his teammates love him. And he's just, he's, he's, He's turned from a terrible hockey player to an okay hockey player. Yeah, and and that's all you can ask for with him. You know, and at the beginning of the season, we all ripped him. None of us are innocent here. I think it's also just like he didn't have a role yet. Nope. The team was still trying to find out what to do with him. So they kept putting him in spots where he was never going to succeed because he's just not that good. Yeah. But now we know what he is. We know what role he has. He plays at most seven minutes a game, ideally. And you put him out there to scare the shit out of the other team and hope he doesn't get burned. He didn't get burned. He made that one diving play to break yeah. up the breakaway. I was like, I was like, oh shit, here we go, man. Like, come Con- on, Curtis. Confidence- get on your horse, brother. Get on your horse. Confidence is a hell of a drug. Oh, I was joking. I, I remember I tweeted, I think some people saw it. And they thought it was serious. I was saying you should put Curtis McDermott on the power play after McKinnon got hurt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Shut up. Oh, man. But, yeah, that, that, that's probably enough Curtis McDermott talk for the next uh, next month. 
Oh, there's, we, ne- there's never enough Curtis McDermott yeah. talk. We had to give him a shine because we definitely on this show gave him some serious shit when he first started. And that was an awesome moment uh, from an awesome game. But the abs were up one nothing. I, I don't know. What were your thoughts on that first period? I didn't think the abs were particularly good in that first period. I didn't think they were that good. I also didn't think the Bruins were that great either. I felt like the abs had the more dangerous chances and the Bruins had more shots. But I feel yep. like a lot of them were kept to the outside for the most part. And Kemper wasn't really tested all that much. I felt like Olmark had to make the more difficult saves. I don't know. I'd it, say that was, I'd say that was yeah, I'd say that was the, the thing of the whole game is Darcy was making a lot more saves, but I'd say Olmark was making the more difficult saves. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I I'd, I'd say the first was pretty even, but I mean we've kind of danced around it a little bit. Do we want to talk about what set the tone for this game pretty much right as TNT switched over to the abs game? Cause if like you, Chris, if you were at the game, TNT had to show the final like 10 minutes of the Blackhawks and Red Wings game. The Blackhawks are up eight to five at that point. They yeah. just scored an empty netter. The game's over, but you don't, you don't understand. They have to show every yeah. last second no matter how much this game is dragged out it doesn't matter how much time you miss of a game that people actually want to watch you gotta watch the final two minutes and you gotta watch as they call timeout and every puck is frozen but eventually they do switch over the game two minutes in and then like 30 seconds later nathan mckinnon is bleeding profusely all over the ice yeah like it it was it was one of those things and and i want to preface this by when you're in the arena, you don't see a single replay of the hit because it was an injury. So they didn't want to show a replay of it. In the moment, it looked a lot worse than it turned out being. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, there was a lot of blood, but a lot of that blood was done by McKinnon's stick. So I was, rightfully so in the moment, very, very pissed off that the number one player for us is bleeding profusely on the ice and it looked like he had been hit in the head. Again. Again. Like, it looked like that. Now, granted, after we saw the replays, you can see, like, it it was still, like, I don't think it was the greatest hit. It was a questionable hit. I wouldn't Um, call it clean, but I wouldn't call it dirty. I I categorize it as um, you didn't really need to make this hit, but the result wasn't your fault. I agree. Like, but in the moment, both of us, rightfully so, are very frustrated. And now that's been 24 hours after the fact, and you've had a little bit of time to get away from the game. Okay. Like you, it may have been a little bit of an overreaction by both of us, but we're not going to go back and say we were like wrong because in the moment we both thought that our star, our number one player just got fucking cheap shot it again. Yeah, again. Like, that was the thing. There, there's not a star player in the league that gets hit in the head more than Nathan McKinnon. Like, like Connor McDavid. Bad isn't getting hit like this. You don't see, I mean, Crosby used to, but not anymore. Drysidle, you don't see him getting hits like that. Austin Matthews, I, has, there, has there been, I feel like I remember one with Matthews. Am I crazy? Yeah, he got crushed. I can't remember by who, though. Uh, I'm, so there, there was one, so I'm not nuts. But like McKinnon. Is it Tom Wilson? No, it, it, I would know. Yeah. But I don't, there, it was one. I don't remember what it was, but it's not. And McKinnon last year, he got hit in the head by Blishfield. He got hit in the head by Jacob Truba last month. 
and now he gets hit by Taylor Hall. And they're always just such accidents, you know. It's like, oh, it's always so unfortunate. It's just, it's annoying. I know, I know Taylor Hall didn't deserve anything more than a two-minute penalty. He's not going to get suspended, nor should he. But like, there's just no other star player that gets hit in the head this much. And even even with Hall, I still feel like he was throwing a chicken wing out there a little bit. If a McKinnon's stick didn't hit him in the head, Hall was still very much on that collision course. Yeah. I feel like he didn't do what he was trying to do, but I don't think he would have minded hitting McKinnon in the head if he yeah. did. Yeah, I mean, it was... It, it was like, like I said, it wasn't a clean hit. It wasn't a dirty. Hit, it was just kind of in the middle. Yeah. Like he, there was some intent behind it. And for those of you who haven't seen the picture, McKinnon done broke his nose and broke oh, yeah. his nose hard. It's um, shattered. Yeah. Like he's probably having a little bit of trouble breathing today. I was more worried that it was a concussion. Um, yeah. That's what I was worried about. But Emily and Emily Kaplan uh, said her sources, I say it is just a broken nose, which, if he's going to be out for three games, these are three games you really don't mind him being out for. Going yeah. for. I mean, and it, Chicago's and it, Chicago's interesting, but Buffalo and Arizona at home, like if McKinnon wants to sit those ones out, that's totally fine. You know, and I, I saw a bunch of people being like, oh, well, blankety blank played with a broken nose. You know, he, he came back the same game. He finished the game. He didn't miss any time. No broken nose is the same. Same with really any other injury. I mean – when we say his nose was broken, it's it was irreparable. Yeah, in it that, was in, at least in the picture that they showed. And when you break your nose, you you can't breathe through your nose at that point. Like you don't realize how much you breathe through your nose until you can't, can't anymore. Do it. And I don't. I think it's going to take at least a few days for him to get that corrected. He's def, He's going to miss tomorrow. We already know that he's not playing tomorrow against Chicago. That's not a surprise. We'll see if he's back against Buffalo and Arizona, but like you said, it really doesn't matter all that much. It's not, an, it's not an excuse to lose to them. Like those are just not good teams and you're playing them. Arizona's at home, isn't it? Yeah. Both games are at home. Yeah. Both games are at home. No excuse to lose those games regardless. I, I still think McKinnon's going to play in the all-star game just because it's not that the all-star game is not that big a deal. It's not like you need to go super hard anyway. It's not, it's not like an, an ankle injury where you can't skate. It's a, it's a broken nose. It's going to make it tough to breathe for a while, but he'll have about a week or so at that point to be better. And he, it's not like he's going to, tr- he needs to try in the all-star game. No, one cares. no, I, I don't know it, but yeah, his, his nose was legit non-recognized. Like he had a pretty straight nose going into the night and he left with a hockey player's nose. Yeah, like, that, he left like, with a hockey that's, player. That's the kind of broken nose that uh, that's going to be there for the rest of your life. Yeah, unless he went and got surgery today, which I don't think he would. But yeah, I mean, it was it was rough. But yeah, I, I didn't like the hall hit. Um, just because it was McKinnon, I like it's. I think if a, if the rules were reversed and that happened to Hall, Boston fans would be saying the same shit we're saying. Um, because that's just it's called being a fan. It's being a fan. That's what happens. Like you get heated in the moment. You find out you maybe not you may have been a little over dramatic, but if it's your own player down in the ice, you're gonna have the same freakouts. So well, Boston fans tend to just freak out anyway. So yeah, Boston fans are the worst. I mean, we yeah. can talk about Boston fans being the worst fan base and all, but yeah, it's oof. just they like, were truly atrocious last night at Ball Arena. They were the cockiest motherfuckers in the arena. And I was so fucking happy when Kale McCarr scored that goal and all those fuckheads had to 
had to just sit down and enjoy that L. I don't get where that comes from, from Bruins fans. Like, okay, you guys won a cup in 2011. That was a, that's a while ago now. We're, co- we're coming up on it being, it is over a decade old yeah. at this point. The Bruins have not been that successful, not nearly enough to back up just how arrogant Bruins fans are in general. And just Boston sports fans as a whole, like sports are supposed to be fun. And I feel like Boston fans just make it their mission to make it as not fun for everybody else as possible. I agree with that. I agree with that. I mean, I, as a guy from Colorado, born and raised a Broncos lover, you, you, you're taught to hate the Patriots and the Patriots did nothing but win for 20 years. So seeing them lose in Buffalo was, was truly great earlier this year, but yeah, Bruins fans, like they thought they took over ball arena. Um, it turns out abs fans didn't have much to cheer for in the first two periods of that game. And then once the game got a little competitive, those Boston fans got real quiet and the abs fans took over. Um, so yeah, Boston fans are the worst. I mean, we could go on a tangent about them forever, but yeah, I mean, we went to the second period and the abs were kind of like us. I feel like they, uh, they were not over that hit on McKinnon. No, they, they like were that, not. They, that they, whole they second period. Blood. Yeah. That whole second period was let's get fucking Taylor Hall back. Um, Landy went after him early in the second period, tried to get him to fight two or three times and Hall skated away and didn't do it. And I kind of wish the abs would have just let it go, but they did not at all. That, that whole second period was let's get Taylor Hall. Yeah. They, they totally got away from their game in the second period, which I mean, depending on how you look at it, depending on how you want the abs to play they're It's like Landis Gog said after the game, that's Nathan McKinnon. That's our all-star. And Landeskog said the hit or lack thereof hit wasn't really that bad after the game once he saw it, but it's, it's the message that it sends. Like you're not going to line up our star player and try to hit him. And you knocked him out of the game, regardless of whether you meant to or not, we're going to come after you. It's the message that it sends. Landeskog did it right. Eric Johnson did not. Yeah. Yeah. And this is comes, this comes after the fact the Bruins tied the game at one on a two-on-one where the Avs finally got burned. Like they, they, they finally got burned on one of the two-on-ones. Beat Eric Darcy Johnson seven hole. Yeah, it was seven hole. Like it, it was right between his armpit. Um, so it's one-one, and then Berkey takes a questionable tripping call. Like I, they, they, they could have gone, but it was all good. And then what was it? Probably like 15, 20 seconds into that power play, Eric Johnson gets. Uh, Taylor Hall pinned in the corner and levels minimum four cross checks to his back right in front of the official. Yeah, it was a, like, it was an even minute into the power play and just one, two, three, four. And the thing was, the official let the first two go. Yeah, he let him it go. Was the, it was the third one where he was like, "You're not even trying to hide it at this yeah. point. You're just cross checking this guy in the back." It was look, EJ. We get what you're trying to do. And at even strength, I would be less upset. We are killing a penalty right now against a very good power play in the Boston Bruins. This is a legitimate team. So now you have just put us five on three. For a full minute. For a full minute. And Taylor Hall is none the worse for wear. I mean, if if you're going to do that, go for it. 
Break your I mean, stick over his back, man. Really, like, at that, if you're going to do it and you're going to take a penalty, he is fully committed to taking the penalty. Yeah. As much as he as much as he complained after they called it, he knew full well what he was doing. Oh, I'd yeah. be more I'd be more concerned if he didn't. He knew what he was doing. If you're going to do it, like put put your back into it, man. Yeah. Get all of it. Get it and call it even. But yeah, it was a true. Like I was watching it live and I was like, wow, I can't believe they gave him away with that many. And then finally, it was like. All right, dude, that's like six of them. Like, yeah, he did. You have to call that. Four, he did four straight times. They called him for the third one, and then he did one more. Yeah, like you have to. They had to call that. Like that was one of the few times I was like, wow, the refs actually let him get away with something there. <laughs> like You can't do that, man. And you give the Bruins a five on three, and Darcy Kemper was great for the first 45 seconds of that five on three, made some ridiculous saves. And then Charlie Coyle gets finally puts home a rebound. It's 2-1. And the Bruins are still on the power play. So your, your direct result, like at minimum, you're down by one if you don't take that penalty. Yeah. And the PK had been good five on four. They were great five on four last night. Yeah. I don't remember too many chances for the Bruins, but five on three, it's really hard to kill a five on three penalty. Yeah. Really especially for a team like the Bruins that has all that talent. If you don't score on a five on three, you deserve to lose the game. I, f- I forget which coach had that quote, but. If you don't score on a five on three, you deserve to lose. They were they were going to score on that five on three no matter what. And we didn't really talk about it with the first goal, but I did not like Eric Johnson on that first goal from Jake DeBrusque either. Nope. Now he takes this dumb penalty and directly correlating with a second goal that you can pin on him. And then the third goal from Brad Marchand, which was a just a super pretty shot, came like as Eric Johnson's penalty was expiring, like the second he stepped out of the box. It's a power play goal that's never that's not going to go down as one. That's three goals you can pin on Eric Johnson in this game. Yeah, EJ did not, and EJ's been great all year. He's been rock solid. This was his first truly bad, bad game. Um, I I did not like his second period at all, and that's just not the Avalanche in general. If you want to relate back to the Avalanche, that period of like trying to get revenge for your star player getting hurt, I get it. I respect the hell out of it because you're trying to stand up for your teammate but it totally threw off the abs in that second period like that. There's a reason why they got outscored three, nothing in that second period. Yeah. It also didn't help that JT Confer missed a breakaway. They hit the post once at the end of the second period on a power play. It, it just felt like that entire game. The abs just didn't, they weren't going to get the bounces tonight. They, they just weren't like, I, I thought it was going to be like a four, one game Bruins win. Cause the Bruins are really good defensively. And Olmark played fantastic last night. Olmark was really good. But it just felt that way. And then the third period, the Avs were kind of like, oh, yeah, we're the fucking Colorado Avalanche playing on home ice. Uh, we got this. Yeah, like go, going into that third period, what did we really have to draw on? There was no McKinnon. This team was all out of sorts mentally. We're playing a really good team in the Bruins, and they have a hot goalie tonight. Yeah, I didn't think we were going to win this going into the third period. And then, and then they just did it anyway. Even halfway through the third period, Olmark was still making those crazy saves. Like Burakovsky had an outstanding game. That's and two out of the past three games. He's played great. And he's played great hockey. He's been flying, yeah. especially in that third period. He well, I guess he got been, an assist on McDermott. Sorry to go off on that. He oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He did get the assist on the McDermott goal. So he got something out of this one, which yeah. is good. But he was flying in the third period. And Olmark was just glove save, glove save, glove save, glove save every time. And eventually halfway through the period, I'm like, 
there just comes a certain point where you're not going to be able to do it every single night. And then two minutes later, Sam Gerard just sneaks it through. It was a, it was a incredibly lucky goal. He gets it to skip off the ice, miss everyone and go right through Olmark. And then at that point I was like, there's a chance there is a chance. They're either, they're either setting up to hurt me or they're about to do this again because they got eight minutes and potentially an empty net opportunity to score again. Hey, everybody. Hope you've been enjoying this episode so far, interrupting to bring you a word from our brand new sponsors at Manscaped. The ball has officially dropped, but that does not mean you have to drop the ball on your balls. It's time you bring sexy back in 2022 and step your game up with Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped to help them ring in the new year with the right tools for the job. Go to manscaped.com and use code AVSITIS for 20% off plus free shipping. Griffin, it's almost 2022. It's time to ramp up your exercise and grooming routine this year for maximum gains. You know, and what better way to do that than with Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0, containing six essential tools for the ultimate below-the-waist grooming routine. Inside the Performance Package 4.0, you'll find the signature Lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer is designed to trim hair on loose skin and also comes equipped with advanced skin-safe technology to reduce cuts and nicks on your delicate nuts. We've all had our horror stories in the past, but Manscaped takes those possibilities away for you, so you've got nothing to worry about. And best of all, it also comes equipped with a 4,000K LED spotlight that will shine a light to the promised land 2022 is going to be. And Griffin, it's also time to freshen up down there for the new year. The Crop Preserver is an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. It's fantastic. And for on-the-go freshness after you leave the gym, you'll love the Crop Reviver Ball Toner Spray. Yeah, and Manscaped even threw in the Shed Travel Bag to keep all your goodies stored comfortably. And speaking of comfort, the Manscaped anti-chafing boxer briefs are also included and will bring your boys down south to the next level. And Griffin, we can't forget about this. Manscaped also wants to go beyond the groin this year with their new refined cologne, which offers a light yet masculine, pleasing fragrance. It is fantastic, guys. I love it. Yep. Manscaped, ever since they sent me this package, has changed the way I shave. And I'm not kidding at all when I said I thought I was happy with my old razor. The performance package 4.0 has just made me feel a lot better. So get 20% off plus free shipping with the code AVSITIS at manscaped.com. Again, that's 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com with code AVSITIS. Have no regrets this year with our friends at Manscaped. And guess what they fucking did? They scored again, man. Um, that The rest of the period, I thought the Avs were okay. I thought the Bruins did a really good job after giving up that Gerard goal of shutting down the Avs. I feel like they spent most of the time in the Avs zone. Um, and then the empty net happens, and the Avs have just been terrific with the net empty this year. Terrific. Yeah, like, I mean, what... It, what I can you name a time they failed? I mean, the, the Blues won, but even then they did score, it just got taken they, back, yeah. And then you had the Dallas game where they, they scored, they didn't get yeah, one, yeah. They were, just, they were just down three at that point, yeah. so it didn't matter. So, I, I 
they've been great. Like I think the only team that's been better than them empty net is Minnesota. Minnesota has been truly fantastic. Yeah, Minnesota is like a guarantee to score with the net. I mean, we saw it firsthand. I've yeah. seen it both times. They played the caps and the abs and they scored on the, with the net empty both times. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So the abs have been fantastic. The net empty. They, it was just the, that pass by Kadri to set up Landeskog was the best play of the game. And quietly, Nazem Kadri had three points last night. Yeah. Like quietly. Just right? again. Yeah, again. So Landeskog ties the game at three. And this is where we kind of had differing opinions. I I didn't think we were going to win an OT. I, I just, I didn't think so. I was like, there's just no way the Bruins blow this game just because the Bruins are such a good team. I was like, there's no way the ass pulled this off where you were in the opposite mindset. You, you saw once it hit triple zeros, the ass were in that game. Yeah. I, once, once Landis Gog scored that goal. And by the, by the way, the, the amount of noise that I made past midnight in my apartment, I'm so sorry to my neighbors <laughs> for that because I wasn't sure what to expect because even with the net empty, the Bruins were still playing well, just going back to that Landis Gog goal. I didn't, I wasn't sure that we were going to get this game tied. I wanted to believe it, but like the Bruins were still playing well, but the, the effort by Landeskog to keep that in. And I, I saw the play develop in slow motion. I saw Kadri get that. I saw Landeskog sneaking into that slot. I think that's the hardest I've celebrated a goal since the, the Rantanen goal against Vegas. Yeah. Like a regular I, season. I didn't expect it. I didn't, I really didn't think we were going to get this game tied even with after the Gerard goal. Yeah. And they did it anyway. I lost my shit for that goal. And at that point, like you were saying, I thought there was, there's no way we're losing this now. The fact that we got this game tied against all odds against a really good Bruins team with no McKinnon and all the emotion going against us. The fact that we came back and did it again, no shot for losing an OT. And once again, Val sets the entire thing up for the second straight overtime. The guy's an animal. I can't believe he doesn't have 20 OT goals. This, like, I don't, I've never seen someone just better at pure three on three than Val Nachushkin. He's an animal. He does. He's been doing the same thing now for over a year. Like, it's not like he's doing anything crazy. It's just give me the puck at the set at the red line. I will just speed past everyone and use my big ass body to keep them from getting it and this one resulted in a penalty and the power a power play in overtime i feel like is the equivalent of a five on three like if you don't score there you don't deserve to win the game yeah straight up so it's four on three and the f's had a ton of chances in that power play like landy could have had the game winner he just missed the net he went right through all mark it would just miss the net and then when they all hope was kind of like, I, I had kind of succumbed. I was like, ah, they probably aren't going to score here. I was, uh, I was as optimistic as I was. I was still like, you're, you're running out of time here. Yeah. Like I was like, okay, like, uh, it's probably going to end in a shootout. And I can text Griffin just how great this game's going to end in a shootout. Oh, I would actually be mad. like a, another example of a game too good to end in a shootout. So yeah. now that we actually great transition. So now that we've had the Minnesota game and the Boston game, which game was more fun to win? Um, probably, I, I mean, it was the Boston game, but I, I don't think that was the shootouts fault. Like you can't play forever when it comes to the overtime. That's where we disagree with it. I'm just, that's, that's where I'm we disagree. Saying. Like, I, I totally get your point, And I think your point is 100% valid. And I agree with you, but you can't play like 15 minutes of three on three overtime. I'm not and saying you have to 15 end the minutes. Game. I'm saying 10. 
give it five more minutes. That's my compromise. Five more that's minutes of three on three. You're that's talking wow. 70 minutes, man. That's a lot. Is but yeah, I kind of, I don't know. I, I, I completely agree with you, but I, I do think that the game has to end and that's just kind of the unfortunate thing. But um, yeah, the game for this Boston game, it ended with Kale fucking McCarr with a beautiful wrist shot, a beautiful screen by Landeskog, and Kale McCarr caps off a 31-minute game with the game-winning goal. I don't, I don't think he or Taze left the ice the entire third period. Kale McCarr played 31-49. Devon Taze played 31-21. We should mention because Eric Johnson was Bench to the bench. He played three for, seconds in the third period. He played three seconds in the third period and did not touch the ice in overtime. But yeah, Kale McCarr just rifles home the game-winning goal for this game, set up by Nazem Kadri and Gabe Landeskog, and just he he sent the place into hysterics. Honestly, we've had a lot of good wins this season. I I think this one is absolutely my favorite. I I put it over the Leafs game too. I know that one was four to one, but this one might also be because it's Boston, and I just hate. Boston in general, yeah. but just the emotion of that game, tying it the way we did and just the, the emotion of the whole thing. It really did feel like winning a playoff game. I, I loved it. It was amazing. It, it was a fun game. It was a really fun game. The Maple Leafs one will just be one of my favorites. Cause it's the most hilarious game. Yeah, it was, it that was funny. Sense. This yeah. one, like it felt like I just got like a shot of adrenaline directly yeah. in my neck. This one was great, and we wanted to record last night, but it was 2 a.m., and I got home in, in, in the East Coast for Griffin, and we both had to be up early, so that's why this episode's coming out a day later. Um, we both thought we had the energy to do it, but, man, we both would have been regretting it this morning when we yeah. had to wake up for what we had to get done. So this game was fun. It was great. I, I hate Boston fans, so that was great. And the best part is we get to redo it with them in less than a month again in Boston this time. Ugh. So, and hopefully McKinnon plays the full game, but I agree that that's definitely top two game for me this year. Um, and, and it goes without, we, we kind of brushed over the absolute won 17 straight home games. Yeah. Fourth that most was, in NHL history. And longest in avalanche history. They broke that a couple games ago. Yeah. I also, I also found it poetic that they did it against Boston to pass Boston in that all-time chart as well. I mean, we have, like you said earlier, we have not lost a game at home since the the back-to-back Columbus losses. That's crazy to think about. Like that, like that, we're coming up on that being three months ago. Yeah, like that. They have not lost a home game. I have not witnessed a loss for the Avalanche at home in forever. Like this is crazy to think about, and it should continue all the way to the All-Star break. Like you shouldn't lose to Buffalo or Arizona. You shouldn't, but you never know. It's the NHL. They have to play down to their opponent. It could happen. It, it should be to 19 by the time we get to the all-star break. And then you come out with a chance to make it 20 against the defending champions, which that'll be fucking awesome. Yeah, we have four home games next month. We got we got five until March. You have Buffalo, you have Arizona, you got Tampa, you got Dallas, you got Winnipeg. What What's the record? 23? 23 and we are 17. So we're, we, we can't pass the record until March is the, the record tying would be against the Islanders. I 
think, unless I'm doing the math wrong. Yeah, I <laughs> that's just crazy, man. Like it's if they break it, awesome. If they don't, this is still like abs fans, we need to appreciate this because this is true regular season dominance that we are seeing right now from the avalanche. It shouldn't be this easy for them. Like the last team I can think about that did this. Remember when the Blackhawks went on that crazy point streak to start the season a couple of years? Like it was probably eight, 10 years ago now. Was that the year they won the cup? I think it was. Yeah. Cause like I, went I, on remember, I remember, I remember like the, the lockout shortened season, the Blackhawks were just unstoppable. Yeah. That season. I don't they went on a crazy record. point streak. That, yeah. That's what the abs are going towards right now. I mean, like, yeah, and we're also – it's kind of getting brushed over. We're on a ridiculous point streak right now that we have not lost in regulation in January, and our last regulation loss was the, the COVID game where we were just completely blindsided by everyone who wasn't going to be playing. And then you had the, the really fluky loss against the Sens. The, the last, like, real – genuine like wow we lost that game was dallas at the end of november like this stuff doesn't happen no it doesn't we're we're talking like this team is on a historic run and we need to appreciate it because granted it won't matter when we get to the playoffs but in this moment right now we need to appreciate just the utter dominance this team is displaying right like Like, it it won't matter in the playoffs but that's the thing it's not the playoffs it's right now the playoffs aren't happening until May. We're in the right now. This is happening right now. We're not in the playoffs yet. So we, you're right. We do need to just appreciate it for what this is, which is um, a once-in-a-lifetime kind of run, especially for the home streak. We might not see anything like this again, especially, especially not for the Avs. I mean, the last, the last time a team went on a run like this was the current record holder with the Red Wings in 2011, 2012. Yeah, it's been a decade since something like this has happened just for the league as a whole. And even then, I, I'm, I'm trying to remember the list off the top of my head. Wasn't the last one in like the 90s? Yeah, that even made this list. And yeah, the I can't just remember the top of my head Bruins either. was in the 70s. That's, that's the thing, man. Like we need to take a second and appreciate this because we've been victims of this. We admit the regular season means nothing for the abs because they're a playoff team like like all that matters is the playoffs, but at some point you have to appreciate just how fucking good this run. Like we're talking about the whole month of January. You could possibly go without losing a game. Yeah. That's ridiculous, dude. That is ridiculous play. And I don't even think like we've talked about, I don't think they've peaked. I don't, I don't think they've played particularly well the past two and a half weeks. They're not playing great. I mean, they're, they're, they're played. They played pretty well in this game. I will absolutely give them that. They played better in this Boston game than they have been playing recently. But you look back at the last three weeks, it's been far from perfect. Yeah. I mean, there has been a lot of mistakes that we have just flat out gotten away with. Our one loss is completely overshadowed by that horrible call. But we didn't play very well in that game against Nashville. We still got a point out of it and got robbed. All these other games, we should have lost at least a couple of them. You could have made a case we should have lost both of those games in California against the Ducks and the Kings. We should have. Like, you could have. If you had told me we lost those games and you look at the stats, you would have been like, holy shit, the Avs actually won? That's crazy. Yeah, and the worst teams would lose that game. Yeah, and it's just been the complete opposite of what everyone said this team was going to be. Um, 
or what the narrative was three weeks ago, that the goaltending is going to be the Achilles heel. The goaltending has been the only reason why this point streaks continue. Like Darcy Kemper made a couple big saves in that third period against the Bruins that kept this game close. Um, and I just think this team's only going to get better. They really are. They're only going to get better. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, we we're just at the halfway point of the season now after this game. So we still got a ways to go before the playoffs, but it's, it's hard not to love what you're seeing right now. This, this team just, it's different right now. It's not just a point streak. It's not just the home winning streak. It's how we're winning these games. If this was last year and you're winning all these games, six to nothing, that would be great. But like, how do you handle adversity? This team has faced some adversity this season. You know, even when they were losing, they had guys injured in and out of the lineup. And even before this point streak, when they turned it around, McKinnon was out for weeks at a time. Like there was the, there was a, there was a curse to this team for a solid three months where they could not ice a healthy lineup and they just kept overcoming it. That's why at, that's why I opened the show with this team is going to win the Stanley cup. Cause I believe it. This team is different right now. It feels different. This is not just running through every team. And the second we run into a team in the playoff that can give us some, some pushback, we lose. It feels different right now. I 100% believe in this team. Cause if, if I don't believe in this team, there's no team that I would ever believe in. Yeah. Like they've just, they battle back. And I think that's great. Like the last Avs team I can think that had to battle back from adversity was that team that took Nashville to six. Um, and that team was far worse. That team like, was not great. They were not great. They were McKinnon, Landeskog, and Rantanen. And, and their band of merry men. Yeah. And the band of merry men. This team is significant. I, I'd say this is like the mentally, most mentally tough team since that team. Because that team, you you forget that team battled, like they they had to battle, like they came they, back in a lot of games. Yeah, they had a they had a lot of overtime losses that yeah. season, and that series against Nashville, I think, just perfectly encapsulates that entire season where you're you're playing a team that's just better than you, and you're yeah. st- you're still giving it just everything, everything you have. And now I feel like you're getting both. You have yeah. all the talent. You have the maturity of mckinnon and well ranton and he can still work on that a little bit in some of these games a little less lazy would be nice sometimes but you you've seen kale mccarr grow up you're seeing younger players like gerard grow up you're getting all the skill and all the hard work that's going into it too like they had every excuse to lose this game again against boston like they had excuses to lose plenty of games so far this month they could have packed it in you know could have gotten the Gerard goal and be like, ah, well, we made it close at the end. You know, we gave up two dumb goals on the power play. That's our fault. We'll learn from it. And I don't think anyone really would be too bothered by it. It's the fact that they just keep pushing time and time again. And when the playoffs roll around, I can't understate just how valuable that experience is going to be because there's going to be playoff games where you're down three to one. And you need to get that big goal and get this game to overtime and have your goalie steal a game. We've done all of that and more this month. And I know I'm getting ahead of myself because there's nothing else to do. Like you said earlier, we're a playoff team and not just that we're the playoff team. Nothing matters until the playoffs, but we're doing a 
pretty damn good job at prepping for him. Yeah, I'd agree. Like I'm really excited for this team, man. And it's, it's going to be fun. I, I, I completely agree with you. I do think that they are one of four teams I could see winning the Stanley cup this year. Um, and I just pray to God we're that one of the four, but I, we're extremely biased. I do think we're playing or we have the best talent of any team right now. I don't even think that's biased. I think that's just true. I feel yeah. like, I feel like every other team would say that. I mean, we have oodles of star power and some fantastic depth. And I mean, people are reaching for anything to knock us on. So they went for goaltending for a while and now that's gotten a lot better as well. I mean, maybe the first goal Kemper gave up against the Bruins, not great, but I still blame a, a two on one more than having that shot go through his arms. Still played great in this game has played great in his last several games. You look at the West like the people point to the second round for the avalanche, you know, you, you go under the comments of anytime the NHL posts something about the Avs, you're like, Oh, just wait until the second round. Again, that curse doesn't exist made up narrative. I've been through second round curses. This is not one of them. Yeah. Hey everybody. Hope you've been enjoying this episode so far interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsors at DraftKings Sportsbook. Four teams remain in the NFL playoffs. And that means only four teams left for you to bet on at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just $5 and get $280 in free bets if the team of your choice wins. That's right, pick any of the four teams left, bet $5, and you can get 56 to 1 odds. And if you're not a new customer, don't worry. You can get you could experience the conference championships with same game parlays combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout the more legs you add the more money you can win DraftKings is safe secure and reliable best of all you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want so what are you waiting for download DraftKings Sportsbook app now use promo code THPN and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team bet just five dollars and win 280 in free bets if your team wins that's promo code THPN for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Now, back to the episode. We've, we've had one bad loss in the second round. And that was to a team that was just as good as we were. I don't, I don't look at this as a curse or this team can't get out of the second round. It, like it, it bothers me. I'm getting off topic. I know and I'm going to get back on topic. I promise. But you look at the second round losses. You were a second wild card playing San Jose. You push that series to seven. You lose your star player in the middle of the game and you don't have Landis Gog. You only lose that game by one. And then in the bubble, like just freak scenario after freak scenario, you still push that series seven and it goes now, to, you, you got to mention that man in that bubble, you lose your starter in Grubauer, right. your backup in France. So you're on your third string goalie, Michael Hutchinson, Michael Hutchinson, who I don't think's played an NHL game in the past, like two years. He probably has, but I don't play in Toronto a little bit, yeah. but. but you get him to a game seven and you have the lead with three minutes left. Yeah. Like, you had the lead. They were this close to the Western Conference Finals. And then, like you said last year, they 
that was the bad one last year. If you want to give the abs any shit, it was last year. Right. So that's not enough to constitute a, this team can't get out of the second round. Cause let's also look at it this way. Last year, the second round would have been the Western conference final. There Mm -hmm. was no team in it's, it's weird last year, but so if you take every team that would have been in the West and put it in a, the normal format, Abs and Vegas still would have been the Western Conference Final. It wouldn't have even been close. No. I mean, we crushed the Blues. The, I mean, Minnesota gave Vegas a push, but I don't think there was really much doubt that Vegas was going to win that series. Well, yeah, and, we would have faced Minnesota in the second round. Yeah, but, that, but that's what I mean. They wouldn't have yeah. beaten us either. They just they weren't good enough at that point to do that yet. So I, I know I've gotten completely off topic here, but I'm, I'm making a point that bothers me. There's no second round curse here. This team is perfectly capable of getting out of the second round. However, I will say if they don't this year, then, then there's, there's some merit to that. Yep. If they lose to St. Louis or Minnesota before the, the Western Conference final, that's a big problem and you've got to do something about it. Yep. But as of, as of right now, that curse does not exist. One nope. normal second round loss that would have been a third round in a normal year does not constitute a curse. Yeah, I agree. And well, it's going to be fun, man. I can't wait. It's fun. We're halfway through the season. We're getting closer and closer with each day. A lot of abs hockey coming up. Um, I know we want to talk about some more fun stuff, but we should just quickly recap that Blackhawks game. Uh, abs won 2 nothing. Pavel Franco's had a shutout, shutout, and that's all I got. Yeah, Nazem Kadri scored a goal, broke the ice, um, and then Miko scored a beautiful goal. It was two nothing. I thought the Avs played a, their best defensive game in a long time, um, and then they continued that over into the Boston game. Um, I think Frankie only ended up making like twenty eight saves for a shutout. Like that's that's 24. not a lot. It was twenty four. Mm-hmm. That's enough. That's even more. Like that's that's bad. That's pretty damn good uh, defensive effort. So. Yeah, the Avs beat the Blackhawks 2-0. Like, that game was weird because it was close, but I feel like the Avs were winning the whole – like, dominating the whole time. Marc-Andre Fleury made some crazy saves. Um, but, yeah, the Avs won. I, I, I don't really think that was much to that game. But, yeah, honestly, I really don't remember a ton about this yeah. game. I mean, it was, it was on Monday at this point. We're recording this on Thursday night now, and we just had that crazy game against Boston. Yeah. But Pavel Francouz has – just been a madman these last couple of games. You no, know, he was back for three games, had some sub 900 save percentages, and you got everyone in the media freaking out, like, oh, the Avalanche, they need goaltending. You know, Frankie hasn't been good enough yet. And now he is skyrocketed up to a 932 on the season because his last three games have been 100, 100, and 926. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. good. Pretty good, pretty I good. would think. Most yeah. of the time, I would say, you know, that's that's pretty decent. That'll win you some games when your goalie literally allows nothing. And, like, I, I don't think it's a bad thing. Ah, it could be as we get close. It's going to be interesting to see what happens when we get closer to the playoffs. I'm talking about playoffs. Because right now, I think Bednar is just going to keep switching rotating days. I think Frankie's going to get the start tomorrow. Um, like, it, th- there's no reason not to do it. But when you get close to the playoffs, I, I'd like to get whoever is going to be the number one goalie, their rhythm. I'd like to see them play. But that's a problem for future us. Yeah, um, right, I mean, right now it's okay to keep mixing them up. Yeah, I mean, with another half of the season to go, we'll we'll know who the number one is by the end of the season. It's it's still Kemper's job to lose, and even then, it's not a bad thing to have two goalies that you can play in the playoffs. If yeah. Kemper has a bad game, 
you throw Frankie in there. And if, if Frankie has a bad game, you throw Kemper back in there. Like, it's not a bad thing to have options in that. Nope, it's not. So it's interesting to see Frankie. It's a great redemption story. I'm so happy for the guy. He's worked his ass off. Um, it's good to see him finally get the rewards um, of all of his hard work. Um, but yeah, I mean, two nothing. Afs complete another winning week. Well, not winning week yet, but two games. Um, and then now we can. I, Griffin, I'm going to warn you. I'm going to go off on a tangent here. Yeah, you, okay. you, you've been prepping for this one for a couple I've been prepping days, for so this for a while. I'll give, um, I'll give you the floor. Yeah, give me the floor here. Okay. There's been some news on Twitter as we get closer to the trade deadline of players available and if the abs are going to go for them. And one of the names that you sent me was Jacob Chikrin from the Arizona Coyotes was potentially what, – what was the way – how did Friedman word it? That I don't you, have it in front of me, but Friedman said – I suspect the avalanche are in stealth yeah. mode, which is a bunch of word salad nonsense, which essentially means he thinks the avalanche could be in on Chikrin, but he doesn't have a source to prove it. He just thinks yeah. it makes sense. Yeah. So they've been talking about that. And Jacob Chikrin is a good player. I, I want to preface it. Jacob Chikrin is a good defenseman. He was 10th in the Norris last year. He had a career year. Um, but then we tweeted on the Teledavs podcast, Twitter page saying, yeah, um, no, we don't want to trade Samuel Gerard for Jacob Chikrin. Yeah, so for, for further context, Jay Fresh, uh, Jay Fresh NHL, or is it Jay Fresh Hockey? I don't remember. But anyway, Jay Fresh tweeted, uh, well, let's get the, the Sam Gerard for Jacob Chikrin trade going right now. And uh, we responded on the Twitter account, like, or we could just not do that. Yeah. So, and we had some people saying, why? Like, Sammy G is so bad and Jacob Chikrin so much better. Okay. Me and Griffin, we took that a little to the heart. Samuel Gerard is quietly having a like, not career year, but he's playing some fucking good hockey. Like his stats are indica- indicative of how good he's been playing. And you gotta remember his deep pair partners he's been playing with. He's played two games with Bo Byram, a majority of the season with Jack Johnson, and some points with Curtis McDermott. And he's still finding a way to shine. Like Jacob Chikrin is minus thirty one this year. Granted, the Coyotes are terrible. Like, they're terrible. Don't get me wrong. Samuel Girard this year is now a plus two. He hasn't been fantastic, but he's better in that aspect. Any analytic you look at, whether it's Corsi, um, shots created against all that fun stuff, Jay, or Samuel Girard is beating him significantly. In every, in every category, every category, offensively, defensively. And that's the thing people want to harp on Sammy G for is defensively. He's not good. He's not big enough. He gets dominated. I got a newsflash for you guys. Everyone in the Avs versus Vegas series got dominated. Like the Avs just got their asses kicked in that series. Samuel Gerard got exposed. Everyone got exposed. And it's just, I'm so sick and tired of the narrative that Sammy G is not a good defenseman. He is a wonderful defenseman. And he is great defensively and offensively. He is playing fantastic. I, I, I just don't get why his name keeps getting brought up in trade rumors when the only players that you trade Samuel Gerard for are Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Jack Eichel, and like superstars. You're not trading them for Jacob Chikrin, who's maybe a top 10 defenseman. Maybe. Uh, not this season. Not well, this my- season. My thing about that when we were talking about it earlier is that Jacob Chikrin is not having a good season this year. 
And I think some of the prices that have been out there for Chikrin are a little ridiculous. I don't understand why Arizona is trading him right now since he still has three years left on his deal. Because I also think like his value should not be this high. I, no. th- I, I think they could get more if they wait for him to get better, but he's been brutal this season. I mean, you were talking about comparing them analytically. Gerard, like, I can't, I can't understate this. He's crushing him analytically. Yeah. Like Sammy his, G's having a good year, man. Yeah, Sammy G's having a really good year, and Chikrin is not, like, at all. Like, I, I get he's on the Coyotes, but I feel like there's also something to, like, your best players not having a great season, and now your team isn't that great either. I know the Coyotes are going to be terrible anyway, but Chikrin, like, I feel like it's just kind of being ignored that he's been battered for most of the season and hurt, and when he's been playing – he hasn't, he hasn't been good. Been, he hasn't been good. And I'm not trading Samuel Gerard for him, especially not mid season. You know, we're, we're talking off season. I'll have, I'll have a conversation about it. I wouldn't do it, but I'd entertain the idea mid season. The best team in the NHL is not doing serious roster surgery and adding Chikrin and replacing Gerard and fucking up team chemistry. No, no one's going to do that. It doesn't make no. sense. And I also saw like some of the, the packages out there that people wanted to get like, Oh, well, it's a, let's you to make the money work. You do a, you do a three-way trade and the avalanche you throw new hook up. in there. Yeah. You throw new hook in there and he goes to Arizona and I forget who it was. Like someone else gets Gerard or something and we get Chikrin. Okay. So let me, let me get this straight. We are trading our second pair of defensemen and our current third line center, like currently third line center for a second pair defenseman. Yeah. It makes no sense, man. I mean, even if, even if you think Chikrin is better than Gerard, which, you know, I'm sure there are some models out there that would show that how much better is he? Not enough. I would think to mess with team chemistry and also give up the better contract in the deal. Like it, 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 People just need to get over Like, they're not going to trade Gerard for – I don't think they trade him unless they lose in the second round this year. That's I don't my, think they that's, that's my thing. That's what, that's what I was referring to earlier with changes if you lose in the second round. Gerard, I think, is at the top of that list. Yeah. If you, if you lose in the second round, I think you do have to explore trading Gerard and maybe getting an upgrade somewhere else. But that's, that's a conversation for a hypothetical universe where yeah. – and again, you said it earlier – Everyone was bad against Vegas, but Sam Gerrard was specifically picked on because he's small. Nobody was good in that series. Sam Gerrard was not especially bad. Kale McCarr was not that great in that series. Our star players, Landeskog, Rantanen, McKinnon, outside of a handful of games, were not great. Burakovsky was not great. Kadri wasn't even there. But Sam Gerrard is the guy that gets picked on. Like yeah, He gets the blame. Yeah, he gets the blame. We got to trade him. He's too small. It doesn't work. It's it's confirmation bias. Yeah. And look, at, I'm looking at Setsu. He has 20. Oh, God, now I can't read. This is really, this is really terrifying here. Uh, he's he's on pace for – he's he had 32 points last year. This year he's at 24 already. Like, he, he's going to score. He, he could reach 50 points, and that's not crazy. He could get 60, honestly, and for a defenseman, in today's NHL, that's really fucking good. Like, we need to relax. He's a good defenseman. He's a great hockey player. And We're not young. trading him. We're not trading him for Jacob fucking Chikrin. 
Like, sorry, we're not trading him for Jacob Chikrin. Yeah, and I mean, some of the packages that have been rumored for Chikrin, like the early one was like, oh, well, if the, the Panthers are trading for Chikrin, the package would have to be. And this is from Jeff Merrick, by the way. This isn't like some schmuck on Twitter. Jeff Merrick was saying Spencer Knight, Anton Lindell, and a first-round pick. What? If, if that's what the Coyotes are getting offered, I, I see how they're entertaining that trade idea. Oh, yeah. That is, oh, yeah. That, you, you take that trade immediately if you're Arizona. Yeah. Like, that is a beautiful trade. That would be, like, if that's truly the case, I don't know why they haven't accepted it already. Right. Like, if they're offering that, you give that up right now. Yeah, straight up. And then Chikrin is going to be traded sooner than later. It's, the, the, the report is they have one legitimate offer on the table right now that they're considering, but they're waiting for others because it's not, it's not the deadline for like another month and a half. There's no rush. But I just I saw that connection, and I thought people took a passing statement from Elliot Friedman that he just he had a suspicion that the avalanche might be in on and a lot of people just took it and ran and yeah. it didn't, it didn't make any sense. And we can do this to seamlessly transition into our next topic. It didn't make any sense considering who we were connected to in that same article. And that's Claude Giroux. Cause yeah. the flyers have lost. What is it? 12 in a row now. I think it's 13, 12, 13 in a row for the, I should say they've lost. They've been on a 10 game losing streak for the second time this season. Now they're done. They're out. Claude Drew's on the final year of his contract in Philadelphia. And the, the rumor is that the avalanche are in on him and it makes sense. There's a fit there and it all depends on if Drew wants to get traded out of Philadelphia. That's really what it depends on. Like, yeah, I think the Claude Drew one, that one makes more sense. In my that opinion, makes a ton of sense. Chikrin does not make sense. Yeah. The Drew one, if the apps could find a way to get Drew. It means you'd probably have to move on from a Tyson Jost or a JT Comfer. Um, but if you're telling me I get Claude Giroux out of that, I don't hate that trade. Like, what, what was the hypothetical you put together? The hypothetical I put together was, I believe it was JT Comfer. And this, this is not my proposed deal. This was just a placeholder to see if the money worked. I had Comfer count and next year's first for Giroux and also at Giroux half retained. I'm sure I can quickly like throw that together again. Yeah. But the money did in fact work. Once you, you trade out money in Comfer and you get the Flyers to retain half, which they're going to do if they trade him so they can get a better deal because Giroux's cap hit is it's pretty monstrous. It's, it's pricey. Eight, yeah. It's over $8 million. So you do that, you make the whole thing work, and if I can just very quickly throw this together again, Comfer, Giroux, next year's first. I mean, it's not going to be this simple, but again, placeholder, just trying to see if yeah. it works. You do that. It works. like that, That's a good trade, and Claude Giroux makes sense for this team. He does. Now, I don't know if the Avs are going to overpay. I mean, it sounds like there's a lot of teams that are going to want Claude Giroux. And who wouldn't? Who wouldn't like he, he's a great, he's good on the PK. He's good on the power play bonafide top six forward stuck on a bad team. And I wouldn't be shocked if whoever gets traded for he signs back to Philadelphia at free agency. I wouldn't be shocked because he loves it there. But if that's a trade we're talking about, I like that one. I mean, you're trading for a captain of a team. That's a, that's a win. 
So I would love Claude Giroux. I, I think you'd have to probably, I don't know who you bump down off that second line right now. The, th- the thing is, is that I love the idea of Nachushkin, Newhook, and O'Connor together as a third line. Like, I just, I feel like that gives you such an advantage in a playoff series over other teams. I know Nachushkin's been better than Burakovsky this year, at least in my opinion. But a, a line of Giroux, Kadri, Burakovsky, line of killers. I mean, that's very offensively focused. But then you have a third line that would be very good defensively. Like, I, I love the idea of it. And you, so you trade Comfer, Cout, and Giroux at about half retained. It's a, it gets a little dicey trying to make the money work. I, I don't know how you can keep both Curtis McDermott and Jack Johnson off the, the taxi squad and off of waivers, especially if Bo is back before the end of the season. It might get a little dicey, but I'm not Joe Sackick, so don't take my word for it. Yeah, they get paid a lot more money to make those decisions. So. But there is a way to do this. If you trade Comfer or you trade Joe's, I mean, ideally you trade Comfer longer money and more money for Giroux. But th- there is a way to make this work. And there's a real chance it could happen. And the, again, the trade I proposed is not going to go through. It's not going to be Comfer Cowton at first. That's not, that's not enough. It's yeah, not going to be enough not. to get the deal done. I think you'd have to throw Bowers in there too. Even then, I think that might that that might not even be enough. I mean, we're talking a cap dump in Comfort, who could be good in Philly, Cowton Bowers, who might be something, and yeah. potentially well next year's first. Which I mean, even then, that's next year's first, and probably still going to be in the the early thirties. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing. Like it's you can only rebuild for so long. I don't think the Avs need to make a stupid trade or not rebuild. Excuse me, stockpile talent for so long you have to eventually take the shot i think this we're getting close to the year where joe sack is going to start taking those shots um i i think we are like that's why this one feels like legit and if i'm claude Giroux and you tell me i can get traded to colorado like fucking sign me up for that all fucking day man yeah and like, that, he's going and to get to pick where he wants to go he's yeah. going because the flyers respect him that much so i don't know i i, I think it'd be he also has a full no movement clause yeah, so he, he's going to pick uh, where he, not the, That's not the same as a no-trade clause, I guess. Yeah. But He's going to get to pick where he wants to go. He is. Yeah. If he, he wants to go. He's a, he's, he was a flyer for life, and if he wants to go to Colorado, he'll go to Colorado. If he wants to go to Pittsburgh, they'll even let him do that. Yeah. I just hope he doesn't go to St. Louis or Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota is a team that unfortunately makes sense in that whole thing. Yep, because, they need like, to it's, it's like we said about Minnesota a couple episodes ago. This is your all-in year? Really, like, it doesn't make any sense. I, I think there's there's got to be something else coming with the yeah. Wild. If it's not Giroux, I think it's going to be something else. But Giroux the, the number I, one right now. Yeah, the name that I really like, and I this gets less realistic the better they get, I really want Joe Pavelski. Yeah, really, we've talked about really that. Really badly. And Jeff Merrick said a, a similar thing on – 31 thoughts, the podcast the other day that Joe Pavelski would be a great fit on the avalanche, but oh, it would be perfect. It would be, it would require the stars to fall out of the race and decide to sell off. They're in the playoffs right now, but if they did, that'd be I, a great fit. I would want Pavelski more than Giroux. I'd agree. Like I'd I agree. just, I just think, I just think Pavelski's perfect. He is. 
He's the exact type of player we need. I, I shouldn't like Joe Pavelski as much as I do, especially considering he plays for Dallas. But can you imagine Joe Pavelski and Kale McCarr together? Yeah, it'd be goal machine. Like it would be a stop. Like Landy's really good in front of him. That Joe Pavelski's better than Landy. Even at Joe Pavelski. Joe Pavelski is, I think, like even at 38, is going toe to toe with Chris Kreider for best net front presence. Yes. Like Joe Pavelski's fantastic. Um, I I would love it. Like I said, it's gonna get really interesting because the Avs are gonna be a player in the trade deadline. Yeah, we didn't I mean, think they've so. been quiet the past couple of years. Like Joe Sackick does make his trades in the offseason. Like that's when he usually makes them, but eventually you're going to have to buy on one of these rental players. Eventually you're going to have to, and you only got McKinnon for one more year after this locked yeah, up. Yeah. One more year after this, he's, he's going to get extended this off season, but you're going to have to swing. If not this year, the next, because yeah. this is a really good team you have. And I guess we're kind of already swinging because we don't have a first or second round pick this year. But I mean, that was for to just to get a goalie, and that was the Devontae's trade last year. And both those trades have worked out fantastically for this team. So I trust yeah. Joe Sackett with whatever he's doing. It's just eventually you're gonna have to make one of these in-season ones and get if you get a Pavelski or a Giroux, this team is like there's no debate. They go from one like in that middle, like they are the clear cut Stanley Cup favorite. Yeah, they are clear cut Stanley Cup favorites. Anything short of winning the cup is an utter failure. Yep. Because so, like you, you also have to consider that Vegas just added Jack Eichel as well. Yeah. Our main competition got better, and they haven't even played Eichel yet. And I get they're not up there in the standings, but I, I still have the Avalanche and the Golden Knights on equal footing to represent the West. Agreed. And, it's, it's, until you know, we beat them, until yeah. we beat them, they're, they're they're the top they're the top dog. Yeah, you know, and we we said a couple episodes ago that we don't think the Avalanche are going to be big players. Now that I've seen the rumors about it, I I believe it. And yeah, but I, it's hard to believe because we've heard they're going to be big favorites and big in all of this for the past two and a half years, and they haven't made one trade at the trade deadline. A big one. Yeah. Like, I mean, you're talking like they got Soderberg and Nemeth last year, and then the year before that, I can't remember who they got. I mean, the thing is, is that we were players, but we just – the moves just ended up not working. I mean, we were in on Panarin, both in free agency and when he was traded – we were in on Taylor Hall both times. I mean, we, we've tried to, to swing for the fences, but the trades haven't worked out. The prices have been too high and other teams have just jumped in and signed some of these crazy deals. If I, now that I'm really thinking about it and you kind of put it in perspective by talking about McKinnon, you really only have this year and next to legitimately say, this is our opportunity. Cause you, you just don't know once McKinnon signs that new deal, how you can, how that team is going to look. And this team in front of you right now, I I believe in it already, even before we add anyone at the deadline. You got to take your swings. You got to take your You got to swing at some point. And as long as it's not Jacob Chikrin. Yeah. I'll take, I'll take Jacob Chikrin as long as it's not trading him for Samuel Gerard. I will say that that doesn't make sense to trade Gerard and add a guy who at best is like, marginally better and if we're talking about if you, if that panthers offer is true for chikrin there's no way the apps can even come close to competing with that yeah and i don't i don't think it is true i think that was like the initial report for it yeah but we'll we'll see where all that goes but like i was saying you got i two years of this window i'm not saying it's going to be shut after that because it's not you're still going to be a great team even after it gets tougher and tougher to keep a lot of these guys 
But you also have to consider Nachushkin, Kadri, Burakovsky. You've got a bunch of guys that are going to get tougher and tougher to keep, and you don't know how good your team's going to be next year. Is it going to be as deep as this one? Right now, you got one season in front of you. And if you can add Claude Giroux to the mix here and just swing for the Stanley Cup, it's hard to argue against it. It is. It is. I, I think it makes so much sense. It does. Like the more and more I read about it, the more and more we talk about it, it just makes so much sense. And I hope, I hope they find a way to make it work. And if he does get traded, as long as it's not St. Louis or Minnesota, I'll be fine. <laughs> or Vegas. Can't go to Vegas either. I'll say the more we're talking about it, I might even, I might even, I might change my mind. I might like Claude Drew more than Pavelski, honestly, on this team. It just, it just feels right, doesn't it? Yeah, it just sounds, it, it just sounds better saying Claude Giroux on the Avalanche than Joe Pavelski on the Avalanche, doesn't it? It, it just, would be like, it, it'd be kind of like a chef's kiss moment if Pavelski joined because he's been an abs killer for so long and he's the one who pushes us over the hump to stand the cup. That'd be a great storyline. It would be, but just so, something about Claude Giroux, like just talking about it right now, just feels right. It feels <laughs> better than Joe Pavelski and we can make it work. It's I think just, it's, I think the Joe Pavelski one's just not as likely as the, yeah, that, 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 that's probably it. Just the, yeah. I still think the stars are going to be in at least in the playoff race to the very end of the season, if they don't just make it entirely, but Will's we'll see where all this goes. I'm, I'm excited for the trade deadline this year. I mean, there's some names out there for sure, at least. And Talked about it. Sackick doesn't usually swing for the fences at the deadline, but when you have a team this good, you have to do it. It's hard to be like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to trade this prospect who might be something for us in three years or so. Like I'd say new hook is untouchable because he's actively the third line center. You're not subtracting from the roster, but anyone who's not here right now, if you get the right guy, I think the only untouchable prospects are Barron and Olison. Yeah, Barron. I think those are the only untouchable ones. Yeah, especially for a rental. Even yeah. even then, Olison is going to be really good, but like, there's only so much room on this team. At a I agree. Point. No, no, I, I agree. But right now, it's too early yeah. for him to move on. I, I think Count has had his chance. Bowers really hasn't had his chance because of injury. Um, like they've had their chances, and they haven't been able to stick. So. You're kind of getting to that point. And JT Comfer had a great start. His injury really fucked him over. I think if he doesn't get hurt, he's probably still continuing the hot start. Um, but he's probably the most likely to be included in those trades. I think Tyson Jost is not as appealing as JT Comfer. I think Jost just has a more defined role. Than yeah. Comfer. Jost is the fourth line center. Comfer just, it would just be better for the team long-term to find a way to get rid of that money. Agreed. I like, and I like JT Comfer. I like him a lot. It's nothing against him, but I just feel like he's kind of in like this purgatory right now where we can do better. Yeah. Like you we trade him out what, and you, what's he making bring three and a half, three and a half for this year and the two years after that. And yeah, when he signed that contract, that seemed like a steal because that he had his career year that year. And then ever since then, he's kind of been, he hasn't been bad. He just hasn't been just, worth just hasn't 3.5. Been... Yeah, he's not worth 3.5. Yeah, like not not worth 3.5. Because he scored 20 goals in that year when he signed his contract. 
I don't think he's come close to 20 goals yet. Yeah, he signed before the, the 2019 season. He had 16 goals and 16 assists. And the next year he has 11 goals and 20 assists. Like he was a, he was a 30 point player and then he drops to 18 in the shortened season. He, I mean, and that skyrocketed in the final, like three games of the year. Yeah. He had a hat trick and this year he started really well. And just ever since he came back, he just hasn't been the same. And like, I don't, I don't want to trade someone mid season, I just I feel like you can do better. Actually, I'm, I'm wrong about conference this year and next, not three years. But oh, okay, regardless, good. he's also 26. He's not young anymore. This is yeah. this is what JT Comfort is. Yeah. And it's not bad. It's, it's just not if, bad you me, I, if you're telling me I can get Claude Giroux, sign me up. Right. Sign me up. So yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see what the abs do. I'm really excited. Yeah. So I know this episode's gone for like we're going on probably like an hour and a half now. So we probably should probably. wrap. Yeah. <laughs> we probably should wrap. There's just probably been so much bad. news. We, we haven't even gotten a chance to talk about the Evander Kane story in Edmonton. Um, we'll save that for Sunday because I know Griffin has some thoughts on that. Yeah, we'll save stuff. I'm just I'm relieved the Avalanche didn't sign him, if yeah. nothing else. I mean, the Oilers, they are just a, a cesspool, but you could see the moment he was out of San Jose, that was the only fit. Yep. So, it's, it's not like it can get any worse in Edmonton. Yeah, it's not like it can. So they all we'll hate save that. Anyway. Yeah, we'll save that. For Sunday, for those of you listening, make sure you come check out. We're doing a live stream for the Avs Blackhawks game tonight. Um, when you're listening to this, make sure you come hang out with us. We have a good time watching those games and should be a good one. Even without Nathan McKinnon, I still think it's going to be a fun game. Yeah, it's, it levels the playing field, maybe, if nothing else. Yeah, it makes it even. But yeah, we'll, do, we'll be doing our live stream tomorrow for the Blackhawks game. Be sure to join us. It'll be a ton of fun, and that's going to do it for us on this edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast. Thank you so much, as always, for joining. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at NHL. You can follow Christian at Christian underscore Belay. And you can follow the show at Tell It Abs It Is. We'll be doing some more giveaways here in the coming days. But for now, that's it for us. Thank you so much once again for tuning in, and we will catch you all next time. Enjoy the rest of your week.